One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 177. Today, we're talking about regenerative business. And if you're wondering what that is, I was too, until I had this conversation with today's guest. It's safe to say that since then, I've become a believer, but this is an idea we can all get behind. My guest for today's show is Helen Tremethic. Helen is a regenerative business designer and holistic business coach for entrepreneurs who are ready to show up more fully and authentically in their lives and their businesses. In this episode, we discussed what is a regenerative business and how do we go about building one? The ripple effects of building a business that truly supports you and your life, the role of boundaries in running a business that works for you, regenerative business and marketing, and much more. Ultimately, we want our businesses to make money. We want them to make an impact, but we need them to work for us and our lives. I am all about supporting you and me too in building businesses that make our lives better and help us create more of what we want and less of what we don't want. And I think that this conversation really gets to the heart of that. One last thing before I air the interview with Helen. If you listened in last week, you know that we have a new segment on Making Good called the Small Biz Spotlight. The Small Biz Spotlight is a short and sweet interview with a small business owner like you. It'll be aired at the end of each episode, and you'll have the chance to get to know a new business owner, learn about their business, listen to their tips, tricks, and advice for other small business owners. Stay tuned for that after my interview with Helen today. Okay, so with that, let's get into my conversation with Helen all about regenerative business. Helen, welcome to Making Good. Thank you, Lauren. I am so thrilled to have you on the show. Um, I would love before I dig into, this is one of those interviews where I'm just going to have so many questions for you because your business model and kind of the angle that you take is really unique. So I'm, before I dig into all the questions that I have, I would love for you to just introduce yourself a little bit to my audience and share a little bit about how you got to do the work that you do now. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I am Helen Tremethic. I'm a regenerative business designer a coach and a mentor to entrepreneurs who are ready to show up more fully, more authentically in their lives. And that means that they want to run businesses that make sense for them and don't necessarily follow the templates that, you know, online makers, service providers, creatives should be following. Those were very heavy air quotes that I put right there. (laughs) Um, And the way that we do this is we talk about business models that make sense for you, not just, well, like I say, what you should be doing. So I've been doing this 
gig for over a decade now, which makes me very old in internet years. And it also means that I've seen a lot of trends come and go in terms of marketing, in terms of building a business, in terms of scaling a business, and have found that what it comes back to is some pretty clear parameters of showing up as who you are, holding your values true, knowing your strong direction and how you want to grow, and a really solid understanding of why you want to grow in that direction. And from there, it becomes very easy to build a model that works well for you, whether you are a creative, a a service provider, or a maker. Thank you so much for that introduction. I kind of latched on to one word, immediately. And I'm guessing that you may be expecting, you may know which word I'm going to ask you about, but (laughs) you use the word regenerative as, as part of your job title, even. And I know that's a big part of your work. And that Mm -hmm. is a word that I think needs a little bit of definition, at least for me and for, I think a lot of listeners. So what does that mean? What is a regen, what is a regenerative business and how do we go about building one? Thank you. This is a super big question and I love it. Uh, The word, (laughs) so the word regenerative itself references any ecosystem built to or designed to support the positively support the aspects therein. So uh, in any ecosystem, say a land-based ecosystem, if you're building um, a garden and you want that garden to be regenerative, you're not going to just look at you know, the, the vegetables that you're able to harvest. You're also going to want to look at your soil quality. You're going to want to look at your microbes. You're going to want to look at your birds and your wind and any air or light pollution. All of the various aspects that will affect the ecosystem. So when we're looking at it on under a business lens, we also have a number of aspects that affect us as business owners. So this may be family responsibilities, whether they be, you know, whether we're caregivers to grown-ups or caregivers to children or, you know, strong uh, community members. Uh, we also have aspects such as the amount of time we have or our mental health or physical health, the amount of capacity that we have, as well as our budgetary needs and our big goals in life, whether we have a partner, et cetera, et cetera. So, so if you're listening to this, you already know the number of aspects that you have in your business ecosystem that need to be considered when you're building out your business. Oftentimes, when you talk to other business coaches or talk about growing your business in general, these aspects, these parts of your ecosystem aren't considered. Like how much margin do you really need? Do you have, is this your side hustle? Do you have a full-time job? If so, then we need to to skew your business model so that it supports both the fact that you have another job plus those additional responsibilities and so on and so forth. So it's a very much a customizable lens because it considers you and your ecosystem. I love that explanation and especially the comparison to land. I think that's a really helpful metaphor. Would it be fair to say that regenerative is having a regenerative business is building a business that supports you and your life uniquely? Like, would that be a good way of defining it? Or if you could just like sum it up in one sentence, how would you say that? Yeah, I would say that it supports you in your life 
And regeneratively, it doesn't just support you in your life. It supports you, your life, your clients, their lives, your community, their community in a ripple effect. Mm. Love. I would love some examples of like, how does this concept of regenerate regeneration or regenerative business show up for you personally in your business? Like what decisions have you made that make your business a regenerative business? Or if you have client examples that you'd prefer to share, like just some really concrete examples of what this might look like. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So, so personally, I live on a permaculture farm during the growing season, we have a lot to do here. There's a lot of planting, there's a lot of weeding, and we also are a demonstration and education center. So we have students coming through on a regular basis during the summer and during the growing season. And that means by necessity, my business model itself needs to allow for that time. Otherwise, with the kid home from school during the summer and extra students and extra outside work, I would be stretched to the nines to continue working on my business and in my business doing client-facing activities during those times. And so my business model is created so that even my year-round membership community, we have some slower elements during the summer so that I can focus on what's in front of me during those growing seasons and still support my clients in ways that are beneficial for them. So I'm still showing up for my clients. I'm showing up for myself. I'm showing up for our students as well as the land that's required. And because I'm still showing up for my my clients, they're able to continue building their businesses, growing their businesses, showing up for their clients or their consumers. Hmm. I love that example. What is so if someone is like, oh, that sounds really good, like building your business around your life, really, and, and building it to support your life as well as your clients and the ripple effects that you described. Someone was looking at their current business and feeling like, okay, I'm definitely not there. Like my business <laughs> does not really meet me where I'm at. It's more like I'm trying to bend around my own business and I am raising my hand here. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be the steps that you might walk someone through in order to kind of start to make those shifts that would make it more regenerative? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. Uh, The first thing I would say right off the top is that everything is iterative. And honestly, I come back to this statement so often, I should have it tattooed on my body. (laughs) Everything is iterative. So that means that when we feel that we are not there yet, it is because We are always going to feel like we're not there yet. So many of us who are entrepreneurs are very high achievers and we have a tendency to move the goalpost on ourselves. So we say, okay, well, I did that. Now I'm going to continue focus on this other thing. Or I want to have 10 buyers this season. But when you hit Mm -hmm. those 10 buyers, you move it and say, okay, well, 15 would be nice (laughs) instead of... so. I want to say off right off the top, everything is iterative. So one of the primary permaculture principles is observe and interact. Observe what are we looking at in terms of our situation right now? What is it about our business that's working well? What is it about our business that isn't working well? And then once we've seen these 
and understand why it's not working so well, then we can start addressing and finding solutions for those elements, as opposed to making quick assumptions like, oh, well, I really should just show up on Instagram more often and feeling disappointed when that isn't the solution. And there's a lot, there's a lot of you know, marketing trends out there that will say, actually, you need to be on the clock app. Actually, you need to be showing up on Instagram more often. Instead, you're going to, you know, instead of being on Twitter, you need to be on Substack or Discord or what have you. And it's easy to caught, get caught up in the waves of shoulds when really the first thing that I would recommend is to look at your own ecosystem. What's working? What's not working? And what is it about what's not working that can be iterated? I love everything is iterative. Thank you for sharing that because I really resonate with that description of the moving goalposts, as you just mentioned, and how the way that I thought I would feel when I've achieved certain things is not usually the way I feel because I've moved, I've moved the benchmark on myself. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Mm -hmm. And you're definitely not alone in it. In fact, the vast majority of my clients um, have exactly this. And so we often build in celebrations for every single marker, even the smallest pieces um, so that we integrate that into our bodies. When we start recognizing our accomplishments, even the little ones. Oh, I really wanted to write that email that I've been putting it off for two months. And then I did it. You recognize that accomplishment, or I had this goal to bring in this amount of revenue or these number of clients or to sell this number of my products. And I did recognizing that so that when we do make future you know, make those future goals, then we, it's much more easy to recognize those wins and integrate that into our bodies. Mm. Do you have, I'm just, I'm, I'm really loving this concept and I would love some more examples if you can think of any of shifts that people have made to better arrange their business around their own lives and to make it more sustainable for themselves and their clients and everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned that you, you have your growing season over the summer. So you've made shifts to the way that you work with clients and the way that your membership operates so that you can devote more time that time of year to your, your land and your permaculture garden or uh, vegetation. I don't know exactly how you describe that, but um Are there some other examples you could give us maybe just to get people's wheels spinning on the types of shifts that might show up in doing this work? Absolutely. Uh, I recently worked with a coach who is also a marathon runner. She loves marathons and I really admire that in people. It is not something that is on (laughs) my bucket list at all. And this is this most recent one was not her first. However, because marathons take quite a large amount of training, even if you've run marathons before, she really needed to bake that into her schedule. And she had a business model that was really focusing on one-to-one time. So it meant that her time, her schedule was really blocked out. So what we did is we 
rejigged the whole thing. We set up a um, a different way of connecting with her one to one clients. We made it so that she was able to train in the mornings when she her body felt most active before she got into the office. So we really reworked her schedule so that it worked well for her. And we also, because she's a parent, we made it so that um, on particular days she was also out of the office early so that she could take her kids to swimming lessons and to the park. So this is another scheduling example, but the same could be applied to our revenue as well. So if you you make more than what you had set aside as your goal, then what can you do to share the surplus? How can you ripple affect that work that you've done, the energy that you've put into your business so that it then benefits your community? So does that mean that for every number of your products that you sell, you give one to somebody in need? Does it mean that 10% of your revenues goes to a local charity? This too is regenerative business models at work because it's... um, it's really filling and um, replenishing the aspects of each of those, the aspects within the ecosystem. It feels to me like a big part of this kind of redesigning the way that you run your business um, in a way that's really unique to your own personal circumstances and life is probably going to be boundaries because... <laughs> You may not always be acting and running your business in the way that people expect from the way that they've seen other people run their businesses. Do you have any tips for like, I don't know, I'm assuming that when you make some of these changes, establishing boundaries and communicating boundaries may be a part of it. Do you have any suggestions for how to approach that? Wow. I love that. Yes. Um, so this is disruptive AF, right? This is not the status quo. The status quo expects us to punch in at nine, punch out at five from Monday to Friday. And if you are an entrepreneur, that means that you're, you're on the clock all the time, not just nine to five. And so this work is quite disruptive. And by necessity, Mm -hmm. you will need to create some pretty clear boundaries, not just with people outside of you, but even harder in yourself as well. So Mm -hmm. the boundaries with yourself, I think are the hardest ones to really apply, but let's talk about those. So let's say, you know, in this case of the client who wanted to train for a marathon, She, by necessity, in order to follow that schedule, needed to make sure that she wasn't checking her email in the morning, because if she checked her email in the morning, then she would go down the rabbit hole of responding to people. And then she wouldn't get out the door until, you know, a little bit too late and she wouldn't get her full training in. Then she would feel guilty and she would feel thrown off for the rest of the day. So similarly, she would need to articulate that to both her romantic partner and her business business partners, any people who are part of her team, she would need to communicate that to say, I'm not available until this time. And to really lean into those boundaries for herself and and others, that takes practice. We come back to everything is iterative. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I that that's a great example. I'm imagining a lot of people who might wake up in the morning and, and make the decision that they're not going to check their email or they're not going to go on social media. That's something that can be really hard to stick to. So I like (laughs) you bringing up 
everything is iterative, like not expecting yourself to get it exactly perfect 100% of the time, especially in the beginning. Oh my goodness. Right. I think that's so important. The amount of self shame that we put on ourselves for not adhering to the new habit immediately and perfectly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I can totally resonate with that. Mm, So good. What would you say your clients who have really been able to make the biggest transformations in kind of rejigging their businesses to better serve themselves and those around them um, from a holistic standpoint, what would you say those clients have in common? Like, is it, is it the boundaries? Is it just a commitment? Is it like lack of perfectionism? Mm. What, what is it that makes people really able to make these big shifts? Wow. Yes. So very definitely, I love that you talked about a lack of perfectionism. Like very definitely, that is something that comes Mm up often. Get it out the door, make the ask, you know, make the request, make the call, write the email, you know, post the thing to Instagram enough already. Very definitely, there is a strong theme of letting go. Like, let go and let's go. And I would say, additionally, so that's more in practice. And in results, I would say what people have in common is more time, more time for them, more time for their families, more time to focus on what's important. And that's because they are aligned with what they're doing when they are at work, they're at work. And when they're not, they're not. And that increases their, their, you know, their physical and mental and emotional capacity in order to show up more fully for all of the different elements in their life. So that's, that's really like a a results as well as an action. So yes, less, less perfectionism. Thank you. We all need that. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also, you know, let's like reclaim our time. One of the things that I know is part of the work that you do with your clients is helping business owners really lean into what makes them unique. Mm-hmm. And I really love this. And I can kind of sense that through just like your business and your communications that you have really done that. Um <laughs> I think that's really not easy, though, because a lot of us work in biz- in categories that are really crowded. And I don't know, there's a way that, you know, we all make ornaments or we all make greeting cards. And like, how do we really differentiate ourselves? And I agree that the best way to do that is to really be yourself, like as much as you can. And kind of that's, that takes some work to unearth who that is sometimes. Yeah. Um But I'm hearing, I know my audience and I'm hearing them think like, but I don't know what makes me unique. I don't know how to like show that to people. I don't even know what it is. What would you say to those folks? Oh, yeah. Such a good question. I would say, what do you love? Write all of that down. What really gets under your skin about your industry, whether it's greeting cards, whether it's ornaments, you know, I have a a very good client from a long time ago who uh, is a greeting card maker. And she does these really beautiful and weird watercolor uh, cards, Uh, lots of puns, lots of food, really beautiful stuff. 
And for a very long time, I know that she felt like she really needed to kind of fit a particular mold of what does a maker look like? What does a card maker look like? You know, where is she supposed to be showing up? And when she leaned into her weirdness, and I use that word Mm -hmm. so lovingly because I think, you know, those of us who have dared to do something different are weird in a really good way. And once she learned, (laughs) leaned into that weirdness, that's when she really started to shine. That's when her business really took off. She allowed herself to be herself. And so, you know, so this isn't to just pass off the question, but I would say that we know who we are. You know who you are. You know what makes you weird. You know what you love. You know what really gets under your skin and makes you really uncomfortable or mad. And those are the things that make you uniquely you. And so leaning into that, whether you know you're making, whether you're making ornaments or whether you're making cards or whether you're making soap, really leaning into, you know, those those scents, those colors, those words, those lines, those shapes that really feel aligned with who you are. Mm, That's a great answer. I love that in terms of like really leaning into who you are with your products. Mm -hmm. Like what do you love? Create things around that. Um, What about marketing? Like I think marketing is a, I mean, I know that marketing is a field and we've kind of talked about this already a little bit that there's a lot of shoulds. There's a lot of trends. There's a lot of, this is what everyone else is doing. So that's what I feel like I have to do. Mm -hmm. It can be hard if you're, approaching your marketing that way to actually, I don't know, do anything remotely unique if you're just kind of doing what everyone else is doing. So how do you, how would you suggest that folks approach their marketing from a standpoint that's going to help them really lean into and benefit from who they are authentically instead of just like, what is the trend that seems to be doing well right now? Yeah, this is such a great question because it's really easy to get, um, it's really easy to get caught up in the trends. You know, they're so well marketed to us and they really feed on what we're most nervous about. And so I would say that first and foremost, being grounded in what you believe in, being grounded in your core values and why, why you do this work really, really helps. Having that written down in the form of a brand statement or a manifesto can be a bolstering tool for you when you're having a day of self-doubt or insecurity or Mm. imposter complex, or you're just not feeling so great, then you having that already written down, you can come back and lean on it. And then now we're going to talk more tactically, having those, having content pillars that you can keep coming back to that you pull out of your manifesto, pull out of your values, content pillars that you keep coming back to that you can use to expand on every time. That means that you're creating something consistent in your brand. Your messaging becomes more consistent. Your content pillars are consistent and people learn to know what to expect from you. And that creates trust immediately, which makes them closer to a yes in terms of buying in. Yeah. And I can think of so many examples, just, I guess, anecdotally, I will say 
Um, it's always the small, like you say, like weird, unique things that people share that I connect with the most. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that person also loves this kind of like obscure kind of cooking show. I'm like, <laughs> I feel so much more connected with them. So I think sometimes we think that sharing these kinds of details are going to be super boring or like irrelevant, mm-hmm. um, but they're not. I think that's like, uh, there's a quote, I think it's from James Joyce, James Joyce that says, in the particular is contained the universal, mm. which is to say like the details are what we connect with people on. So exactly. I, I love that. I really love that. Exactly. Like you have always been you and it is you that makes people choose you. It isn't just the thing. I mean, yes, maybe they, they need to pick up a card for their, their mom. Maybe they need to pick up a card for one of their parents. Sure. That's a thing that they they know that they need, but they have chosen yours in particular because of the you-ness that comes through, the you-uniqueness that comes through. They say, oh, this one really speaks to me. And I know that that sounds a bit like platitudes, but it's not. You know, the mm-hmm. reason why we, you know, those particular things, whatever they may be, jump off the shelf to us is because they they meet a shared value or a shared sense of humor or a shared, um, you know, cultural memory or anecdote. And we think, oh, this person, this person sees me. And so this doesn't matter whether you're doing services or whether you're doing products or what, what it doesn't matter because the more that you can showcase you through your work, through your marketing, the closer your people are to, to saying yes to you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, and this is really coming from me cause I'm a marketing nerd, but I'm wondering if you have any practical, um, like things that have been working well for you or your clients recently in terms of whether it's the type of content you're creating or the types of marketing initiatives you're doing that are really lend themselves to having you come through on them. So maybe your answer might be like, you know, like getting on Instagram stories. If you use Instagram and talking to the camera is a great way to like show who you actually are. Um, (laughs) Maybe, or maybe that's like, that's going to depend on what, platforms you're using, where your audience is, but are there any tactical things like that that might really lend themselves to this kind of like showing who you are type of marketing? Yeah, yes, absolutely. So yes, get on Instagram stories, show your face, show your face in your feed, wherever your feed is showing your face. People like eyes, right? Like they want to be able to see your eyes. And so showing who you are, the meet the maker um, posts always do really, really well because people like to see who you are and they like to learn about, you know, your obscure baking show or your favorite color or, you know, that you had a pet iguana when you were a kid. People want to know those sorts of things about you. So anywhere you can like metaphorically show the meet the maker, then do so. But also I would say, and this is kind of coming at this question a bit sideways, I would say don't shy away from speaking out with your opinion, there can be, there's controversy in every single industry. And if there is stuff that you think is not being done right, don't shy away from speaking about it because there are people who agree with you. 
and those are your people. So, so that's another way that you can really highlight who you are is not just saying what you're for, but also what you're against and not just saying what you're against, but also what you're for. Hmm. Love that answer. I know a big part of the work you do is around values and incorporating your values into your business. Mm. Um, And with that, I think sometimes there's this fine line of altruism and giving too much of yourself or um, kind of crossing the line into martyrdom, I think is the word you used when, Mm -hmm. when we were deciding what to talk about. So I would love to hear your take on this. Like, where is that line or you know, how do we take care of ourselves and also give through our businesses? Mm -hmm. Well, this comes back to boundaries as well. Really, really noticing Mm -hmm. those boundaries, really noticing our own particular capacity, how much we're giving too much of. And if we don't know, because we're so used to people pleasing that we have an inaccurate barometer, then, then learning to notice I think is the first action there. And this is something that isn't spoken about very often is how difficult the noticing is. You know, we were speaking about, you know, letting go of perfectionism and why, you know, why we can't adopt the habit perfectly in the moment. Um, this is, you know, this is where everything is iterative. We we forget that noticing takes a really long time. Noticing is an action in and of itself. And so when we are creating boundaries for ourselves so that we don't become martyrs, that we don't become people pleasers, that we're really trying to create structure that benefits ourselves in order to benefit others. And this is where it comes back to is like benefiting ourselves in order to benefit others, filling up our tanks so that we can give more generously. And that requires some really strong boundaries. It requires some really good noticing. It requires noticing whether you're feeling resentful and noticing whether you, where you need to scale back. Um, because many of us have been, this could turn into a soapbox, but I won't let it, that <laughs> many of us have been trained to people, please, to say yes when it's outside of our capacity. And noticing that, unlearning that, it it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work. And we can't expect ourselves to get it perfect immediately. That's just another type of people pleasing. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, good good point. Yeah, I think that the people pleasing is is tough, particularly with the folks who work with clients. Mm-hmm. I think it comes up when you have customers for sure. Um, like if you sell products directly to customers, it comes up. But I just having done both, like having had clients and also customers, I have always found client work really challenging for that reason, because I think I am more of a people pleaser by nature than I would like to be. So I have just kind of shied away altogether. Like I'm like, okay, that's not the business model for me. Um, (laughs) Because I just end up feeling like I have a lot of bosses instead of I'm the boss. So yeah, that's really interesting. Do you have any, for someone who might be listening and feeling like, you know, people pleasing is really getting in their way and probably in their business, but probably their life too. Mm -hmm. Um, I know boundaries, obviously we've talked quite a bit about that, but are there, I don't know. I mean, aside from the fact that like, it's hard and we just have to do it and sit with the discomfort. Are there any strategies or tips you would offer for folks to find ways through that? 
So this is a really great question about people pleasing because there there is an element of do the work so that the work gets done for sure. But underlying that, there is a reason why we are people pleasing. There is a reason why our boundaries are leaky. There is a reason why that is fulfilling a need of ours. Now, this need mm. may be kind of ugly. This need may be, you know, shadowy and gross. This need may be difficult to acknowledge. But sometimes by noticing what need our people-pleasing is filling, what need our, um, you know, our not showing up or not being visible on social media is filling, um, what need our, um, you know, playing small is filling when we can see that it gets us closer to the unlearning mm-hmm. that's such a great point yeah it's it continuously blows my mind how much personal growth is wrapped up in running a business <laughs> like every <laughs> every tough spot you have in your you know in the way your mind works and your heart like it it'll come to light somewhere so absolutely my friend nicole lewis keeber does a lot around this she is a, a business therapist and she talks about how small t trauma shows up in our businesses and it's really really brilliant work what's her name nicole lewis keeber okay we will link to her in the show notes that mm-hmm. sounds please like do very She's interesting awesome. work yeah um, okay, before we start to transition into the questions that I get to ask all the guests on this podcast, I latched on to one more thing you just said, which is about playing small and visibility and um, how sometimes, you know, there may be something deeper going on when we find ourselves not being willing to show up. Um, I just wonder if you could riff on that at all. Like, do you have any thoughts on advice for folks who find themselves holding back and don't really know how to break through it. Sure. Yeah. You know, oftentimes we play small because we don't want to be rejected. We play small because we're afraid to make the ask. We want to be liked, but we don't want to ask to be liked. You know, we want to be wanted, but we don't want to ask to be wanted. We don't want to have to ask people to say yes to our stuff. We want them to want it. And so mm-hmm. playing small really, it really feeds that. It really feeds our desire to um, well, to be wanted and to be appreciated and to be liked naturally without us having to do anything with us, without us having to force it. And in so doing, then we aren't rejected. And mm-hmm. there's a lot also, you know, because a lot of us are marketing online. There is something I, my friend Tanya Geisler talks about, which is the canonization, demonization culture and canonization, meaning we lift people up to these godlike statuses. And then as soon as they show that they are humans and not gods, we demonize them completely. And so it really pivots very, very quickly. And that can feel really vulnerable to somebody who is trying to break into the space that we see, you know, cancel culture and takedowns and uh, people being really, really harsh sometimes 
Sometimes people need to be called in for their actions. Yes, absolutely. And yes, absolutely. We need to, as a culture, work to be better people. And it can really affect how one markets themselves because we see this canonization, demonization process. So this again comes back to noticing, you know, noticing that that is part of what's Pseudo affecting us, you know, or that we're playing small because we're afraid of being rejected and then do it anyway. You know, that's the, the terrible, mm-hmm. awful advice, right? Is just like the do it anyway. If you want it done, you got to do it or, you know, get somebody else to do it for you. But in the beginning, if you want it done, you've got to do it. And that means showing up. It means making the post. It means taking pictures of your products. It means putting them online. It means, you know, connecting your store. It means doing the work. And that is just the shitty advice of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the amazing thing that I don't think a lot of us realize, I certainly didn't realize in the beginning, is that you can still do it, even if you don't feel like it, or even if you're nervous about it. (laughs) Yeah. That's not, that doesn't have to stop you from doing it. You can be scared and still post the thing. So, a hundred percent. Yeah. A big epiphany for me that I had years back is like, oh, this feeling of discomfort can be there and I can still do the thing. Yeah. And you have a hundred percent success rate of everything you've already done, right? The things that failed, so-called failed, you're still here. You're still Mm -hmm. going, you're still moving forward. You're still taking action. And so that's pretty freaking successful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when we can lean on that, like you said, I think that that's, um, that's really important. Yeah. This has been super fun. Um, I've been loving picking your brain. And one question that I think we've kind of touched on, but I'd love to just ask you directly is something that I ask all the guests on the podcast, which is how do you approach doing good through your small business? Yeah, I love this question so much. I have to say, um, there are lots of ways that anybody can do good in their business. And we did touch upon it. Like, do you give away a portion of your proceeds? Do you like, do you give one for every so many that you've sold on my end? I, there's so much systemic inequity that I purposefully create tiered pricing for my work. I do custom payment plans because it's not my job to manage your budget. So if I have clients who come in, they say, I really want to work with you. We talk about what it makes sense for them for a payment plan. And I believe very firmly that this is one way that business owners can address systemic inequities. Of course, I'm a service-based business and that makes it makes it a bit more difficult if you're a maker. You can still do things like sliding scale, but people get a little uncomfortable about that. We offer sliding scale on the permaculture farm. My business helps fund um, that sliding scale possibility, which I love doing so. We also partner with organizations because we're we have the privilege of having a decent amount of land. We live on three acres and that in Ontario, Canada is a real privilege. And so we partner with organizations like Seeds of Diversity to grow out old seeds so that we can continue um, putting into a seed bank for that kind of longevity. Mm. Um, And then I want to also add something that we've been talking about in terms of marketing. And this is not just me, but I, I do not want to discount 
the, all of the free content that people put out there. I also do on in podcast interviews, in summits, and on your blog, on your Instagram, on your Pinterest. If you're putting out free content, that is one way that you are doing good, that you are lifting others up through your business. I love all the things you mentioned because it just illustrates the fact that there's not just one way to do this. It's not Mm -hmm. just like pick a percentage and donate that, which is great if you are able to do that. Like, I love that model, but there are kind of infinite ways to just look at every decision you're making in your business and think about like, how could this be an opportunity to make a positive impact? Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I love just the diversity of the different things that you shared there. That's really cool to hear. Thank you. Um, I would love to hear a book recommendation. Okay. So (laughs) there is so many, I am a voracious reader and there are so many good books, but I would say, a couple of ones that I would suggest one I can never do one, Lauren, I can never do one. That's, you so, know what? I like multiple. I like multiple. <laughs> so on a really practical level, uh, my financial planner, money person, she's Canadian. And so I, uh, a lot of her services are for Canadian businesses, um, but her advice is across the board. She has a number of books. Her name is Shannon Lee Simmons. Uh, her first book was called Worry-Free Money, and that is just a really good practical way to get on top of your dollars and cents. Uh, she also has a number of resources available on her website called The New School of Finance. And they do some really, really good work, really trying to make budgeting and money and all of that really accessible, especially for sole proprietors. So that is, um, that would be one that I would say on a really practical level, worry-free money. And then I haven't read it, but it's on my Christmas wish list is Mm -hmm. uh, the anti-racist business book by Trudy LeBron. I am so excited about it. And because I know that it will help me, you know, run a better business and be a better coach, be a better mentor, be a better human. And books like that are just invaluable. Amazing. I will link both of those in the show notes. I actually don't know that either of those have been recommended yet. So I'm excited to check those out. Um, Okay. I would love to hear a small business that you admire. You know, I really love what Marie Poulin is doing with Notion these days. I've known Marie since she was a a website designer years and years ago. And she's a really great example of somebody who leaned into their values, leaned into what was important for them, pivoted their business model so that it made more sense for their lives and has done so incredibly successfully. Um, And her notion templates are, have been so beneficial for so, so many business owners that um, I really just can't help but admire the work that she's doing. So Marie Poulin. Awesome. Okay. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about how folks can connect with you. I know you have a product called Love and Badassery Motorcycle Club, which is (laughs) probably the best name of anything ever. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and ways that people can connect and find you 
chat with you online, all of that good stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So the Love and Badassery Motorcycle Club is the name of my membership community. People can come in again at tiered access. We do every other week hot seat coaching. We have uh, teach in sessions during the summertime. Again, referencing how I, you know, change my business model up in the summertime so that I can continue to impact my clients, but also literally weed the carrot bed. And <laughs> uh, the reason it's called the Love and Badassery Motorcycle Club is because I, I wanted something different from the regular membership community where people still felt alone and disconnected. I wanted something that made people feel like when they got there, they were part of a really strong, tight-knit community. And then they had the resources they need to go out on their adventure. And so the motorcycle club was born and it is a beautiful group coaching community and has resources inside the HQ that you can get at any point in time, 24 seven, as long as you're a member. And then we have planning sessions quarterly and and the group coaching sessions where they act as hot seats. So you can always bring whatever it is that you're working on. And we believe in a life is business is business is life protocol. So sometimes the stuff that you bring isn't specific to your business or your marketing or your strategies. Sometimes it's like, you know, you're just having a bit of a difficult day. And so we talk about that. Mm, sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah. And then otherwise you can find me at Helen Tremethic. I'm pretty much Helen Tremethic everywhere. HelenTremethic.com at Helen Tremethic on Instagram, Helen Tremethic on Facebook, Helen Tremethic on TikTok, even though I haven't posted anything there, please come by because I will at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, Helen, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been really interesting to learn about a concept that I have to say is pretty new to me and definitely gives me a lot to think about. So I know the same will be true for the listeners. Um, so yeah, like you say, all your willingness to just share free content and expertise is a real way of doing good. And I am really grateful you've done that here with us. Mm, thank you so much, Lauren. It's been my pleasure. Is anyone else so on the regenerative business train? I know I am, and I'm so grateful to Helen for coming onto the show and introducing this important concept to me and my audience. Be sure to go connect with Helen. You can find links to her website as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 177. I would love for you to take a screenshot in your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-T-I-L-D-E-N, as well as Helen at Helen Tremethic. That's H-E-L-E-N-T-R-E-M-E-T-H-I-C-K. Now, it is time for the Small Business Spotlight, a short and sweet interview with a fellow small business owner. And this week, my guest is real estate agent Kelly McLeod. I've gotten to know Kelly since she became a member of Making Good Happen, my membership program last year. And let me just say, I am such a fan. She has such a thoughtful, refreshing approach to helping her clients that I know we can all learn a lot from regardless of our industries. I cannot wait for you to get to know Kelly. Here is our interview. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm very excited to chat with you. As you know, my world has a lot of product-based business owners, but increasingly there's a lot of folks who are not product-based business owners. And 
you are one of those people. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your business. Um, and maybe like, how did you start your business? What was, what led you to that? And I know also one of the things I love about your business is you have a little bit of a unique approach, um, that sets you apart. So I'd love for you to share maybe just the way that you think about the work that you do. Sure, sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm a real estate broker in Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm still new to the business. I've been doing it for about four And uh, prior to that, I was in property management for 20 years. So being in and out of people's houses is not entirely new to me. It's kind of the only thing I've ever done. Um, And I've always taken that job very, very seriously. People's homes are their safe havens, their sanctuaries, whether they own it or rent it. And so I've always tried to be very, very respectful of that. And... um, I quit my job after uh, 20 years, right before the pandemic, February 1st, 2020. I quit my job not knowing the pandemic was coming, um, and I didn't really know what I was going to do next. Um, And it was actually my daughter that suggested real estate, because that's forever. That's what she thought I did. She always told people, (laughs) "My, my mommy helps people find houses. Because I did, I just wasn't helping them buy houses. So Hmm. she, it was really funny. She was like, well, just do that. And I said, well, I don't know how to just do that, but I'll figure it out. So um, I did. And it is the most fun I have ever had. I I love, I love doing this so much. Um, So my tagline is find your happy place. And that comes from my own story of finding the house that I live in now. Um, I was out on a walk um, and I normally, I'm kind of type A, so I normally walk the exact same route (laughs) every single day. I don't have to think about it. I throw on a podcast and I just cruise, right? And on this day, it was a super nice day and I decided to take a different route. There happened to be an open house. So I walked in. And when I walked in the door, I audibly said, this is my house. Mm. And I had, we weren't planning to move. We had no reason to move. We like, quite honestly, there wasn't, it was just a random. So I walk through and I get my shoes back on and I walk home and I tell my husband and I tell my daughter, I said, we're moving. And they're like, you're insane. (laughs) Totally insane. I was like, no, really. And so we brought him back the next day and um, had a great real estate agent that helped us get it all sorted out. And um, I just think the universe works in really amazing ways. And so we moved in in October of 2019 and the pandemic hits in March of 2020. And I can't... I don't know what it would have looked like if we were at our old house during the Mm. pandemic. It was just so different. Everything was just so different. The space that we have, not from like an actual size wise, but the configuration of the space. We had a much bigger um, fenced backyard for the dog. And so there was just, um, I don't know, something just said this was it. And so my whole business now is focused on helping people have that audible, like, this is my home moment. And we won't stop until we find it because I think that your physical space absolutely impacts your mental and your emotional space. And I think you and I have talked about this before, Mm -hmm. that it it really does have a deep um, 
it's how you start your day. It's how you end your day. And if it's not serving you in the way you want it to, I hope then through conversation that that's what I'm here to do and encourage. And I just kind of sit like a little angel on your shoulder Mm -hmm. going, okay, remember you were looking for this. Is that here? Do you see yourself doing that here? Um, And I've had some good conversations with, with some folks that, that they're like, I'm so glad you reminded us of this or because it's really easy to get, you know, new and the grass is always greener. But if you're just carrying, I think there's a quote that I love. If you carry old bricks or something, you're going to build the same house. And, and so there's a lot of, um, I, I just try to remind people of that. Like, Mm -hmm. let's take this opportunity to really find the space that's going to encourage and inspire the life you really want, you know? So I love that approach so much because I feel like, you know, it would be more efficient and possibly you might make more sales if you try to sell people on the first house, they get excited about it and then move on to the next client because I mean, it takes time to go from house to house and help people find just that, like, like you say, that house that gives you that moment. And also the house that gives you that moment may not always be the most expensive house. And, you know, so I love just where your heart is at with that, because I feel like it's not, it would be really amazing to work with someone like you when you're buying a house first. And I know many real estate agents are totally on, on the same page, but many probably are not. So yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing, I love hearing about that. Yeah. I would love as a relatively new small business owner, what Mm -hmm. would be one piece of advice that you'd give someone else who's early, early stage small business owner, whether they're in real estate or something else? I just posted about this on Instagram and what I wish somebody would have, um, a few things. I, I wish that somebody would have just told me to trust myself trust my intuition, trust my gut, um, listen to yourself. If it doesn't feel like it aligns with who you are or where you want to go, it's okay to say no. It's okay to pass. It's okay to just, you know, um, I feel like you're drinking from a fire hose when you start a new business. And and I think everybody's really well-intentioned when they say, hey, this is what worked for me. But then you're digesting all of this information thinking that then you have to make it work for you too. But Mm -hmm. maybe Facebook doesn't work for you. Maybe LinkedIn doesn't work for you. Maybe Instagram doesn't work for you. Like it's okay that it worked for somebody else, but you, it's not a requirement that you make it work for you. If it just doesn't, if it doesn't fit with, with where you want to go. So a trust factor, I think um, I've recently adopted this, uh, this mantra of if it's not an immediate yes, then it's a no. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot easier to say, oh, hey, looks like my Wednesday evening did open up. Is the invitation still out for X event rather than, hey, I really don't want to do this. And now <laughs> I've got to come up with an excuse to get out of something. Because again, you feel like you get invited to things, whether it's networking events or whatever it might be. And you feel like you have to say yes to everything. And, and I think you just, you don't. Um, and, um, 
I feel like this is going to sound like a plug, but I don't mean it this way. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, I would find a group like Making Good Happen early on, because even though I'm not able to engage as much with the weekly things, but there's so much content and education that you share. I know that there are other groups that likely have similar things that maybe a different business owner would need, but I'm new to marketing. I I didn't have to do any marketing in my previous business. So I don't even understand what that means. And so just putting yourself in the right spaces with the people that have what you need, because maybe you're somebody that is great at marketing, but you don't know how to deal with financials. Okay. So you've got to find somebody to support you there. So really educating yourself on the different pieces of a small business and what do you feel pretty good about? What do you have a handle on? And then where do you need that support? And like not being afraid to ask for help. Hmm, I love that. And yeah. not, and I, I, I totally <laughs> agree. It doesn't have to be making good happen. Yeah. Um, but like, yes, finding the support to just like kind of take the shortcut in a way, yeah. like don't, I don't know if you can, if you can afford it and you can yeah. skip some of the like mistakes and the learning. Yeah. Curve why not? Um, and also community, I just think is so like just finding those people that you connect with and you're there with, and they're like your coworkers. Like I feel like I didn't realize how much work was like a social thing for me until I went and worked by myself. And I was like, Oh, I literally talked to no one all day. Um, so It does. It feels kind of isolating. And then you're sort of in your own head going crazy because Mm -hmm. you don't know if this is what other people are experiencing. And whether you're product-based or service-based, I still think there's a lot of similarity to like, how do we get our message out? Whether it's about what I'm selling, a physical item I'm selling, or just my services, I think there's still challenges Mm -hmm. that overlap. And some of it is just like, our mindset and like, just we're in a slump of content creation or, or whatever. So yeah, the, the community piece of it is, is huge. And being around people that are smarter than you is always a good idea. So. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would be speaking of marketing? What's something that is working in your marketing right now? That is a really good question. I, I'm not a very good student of marketing. Like I don't look at my analytics, um, what I what I put out in um, primarily in social media, um, I try to be super, super, super authentic. So nobody is going to be surprised when they meet me. Um, I'm 47 years old, so I don't feel like I have to impress anybody. I don't like I'm pretty solid in who I am. So um, I feel like I've really settled into just like, I'm going to put it out there. And if somebody doesn't like it, it's probably best for both of us that that Mm -hmm. they move on then, right? Like it probably wasn't going to be a good fit. And that's, that's great. Like that just makes room for the the right person for me. Like I believe what's meant for me is, is going to find its way to me. Um, And yeah, I think it's really like, it's hard to believe that, right? Especially when you're in the very early stages, like it feels so slow and like, it's never going to happen. And I think that's where it's just like, you continue to take this leap of faith. Like you just keep doing it, keep after it. And, and I think eventually it does start to work and then it doesn't feel like work. Then it feels fun. And then it feels like 
the people that are engaging with you on social media are the right people. Like mm-hmm. they get you, they, they enjoy, you know, what, what you're putting out, which means then hopefully then when the time comes that they've got a need for, um, a real estate broker, then, mm-hmm. you know, Oh yeah, Kelly works in this area or Kelly's great at this or Kelly's funny or whatever it is that, you know, <laughs> someone might be drawn to. Um, so I feel like settling into like just who I am as a person and being okay with sharing that has been a huge piece of, um, it's just helped from a marketing standpoint. Like I'm comfortable with yeah. I'm not trying to talk to too many people. I'm, I'm, I love that. Yeah. I love it's, that it's so hard. much. It is hard, but I feel like, I feel like when I first met you, you were like not excited by social media. Yeah. Like it was like really burning you out. And so it seems like probably that's, what's made the difference. Like being able to show up there, feeling like yourself talking about things that actually matter to you. Um, not trying to please everyone, but like just, you know, putting it out there and being willing to attract the right people and not other people who would not be a good fit anyway. So I think that's such like when you show up and you're actually excited to be there in some way and like have those conversations, the energy that that like creates is so much different than, you know, the sort of like obligatory, let me post twice this week because I feel like I have to, even though I hate Instagram. So yeah, Yeah. I'm excited to hear like that. It feels different for you now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely, social media was not a a thing that I was super excited to have to do. And I still give myself breaks. If I don't have anything to post for a week, I don't have anything to post and I'm okay with that. I, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, giving yourself grace to decide like what, there is no perfect formula to this. Everybody has, again, it goes back to like, people have things that worked well for them, but if you know you can't do it, if you can't post seven times a week, what mm-hmm. you're going to do it for two weeks and then you're going to give up and then you're going to hate it. So there's there's just a little bit of like learning what you can and can't do, finding some success in that. And then slowly but surely it does become a little bit more fun. And then you sort of look forward to sharing things on social mm-hmm. media because you look forward to the people that are going to interact. Yeah, exactly. It becomes the 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 social part of it that we, you know, we're kind of craving. So yeah, it's definitely, um, I've definitely improved my, my attitude towards <laughs> that being <laughs> well, not something to call you out. Like, I think it's no, really it's so true, common though. for people just to be like, Ugh, I don't want to do this with yeah. um, social media because yeah, there's so many reasons why, but yeah, I think, yeah, we'll all see the most success with it. If we're able to like be excited about it in some way yeah. and really, yeah have conversations rather than just feel like we're broadcasting. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yep. What is a mistake that you made in your business that you have learned from? What is a mistake in my business? Uh, I think it goes back to my earlier thoughts on, I said yes to too much. I felt like I had to sign up for every single workshop, every single social media platform, every single, every single, every single. I just, um, I felt like I had to do it all and I was not doing any of it well. And um, I think it sort of feels like if you pick a couple things, right, and you get really good at it, 
then you can add something else. But if Mm -hmm. you're trying to do seven things really well straight out of the gate, there's no way you can be good at all those things, especially if you're learning. I mean, think about companies that have entire marketing departments or entire financial departments or entire whatever it is, compliance departments, all of these things that as a small business, we're trying to learn, right? Um, And then we're trying to put ourselves out there to everything. I mean, of course, you're going to be spread too thin. And um, so I think definitely saying yes to everything in advance, because I felt like that was going to that was going to make me money fastest. And I think it probably did the opposite because I didn't really have time to invest in, I really need to understand this thing or this piece of my business. So, um, I mean, I've always known that I would be more of a relational um, person, less transactional. Um, But I think early on, just because I needed to make money, I, I felt desperate, honestly, like I'm just mm-hmm. going to go to every single network networking event that exists and you just can't do that. So mm-hmm. yeah, spreading myself too thin early on, not giving myself breaks, not, not giving myself enough. Uh, I just didn't trust myself enough to say, you can't do this at seven o'clock once a week. You have a child at home. You <laughs> You don't like being out at seven o'clock at night, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of it is just trusting that um, that you'll figure it out, and you. I I really think people will if they if they listen to themselves a little more. Oh, good. <laughs> so good. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Why did you join Making Good Happen? So I joined Making Good Happen because a dear friend of ours, Danny, talked so highly about it. And she and I are very similar in wanting to stay true to ourselves and uh, attract the right people and just surround ourselves with really good people. And so I think she had been a member for a good long while. Um, and she just would kind of mention it here and there. And then finally I was like, let me tell me more about this. What is this? (laughs) And I immediately just in the things that I've been able to attend and, and just everything that you share with us, it feels like you are speaking to my heart and like, do what feels right for you. And here is a blueprint for that. Take what you will and run with it and embrace it. And I'm sure you've seen it with your members. I'm sure there are members all over the map that have found success in in different ways, but Mm -hmm. all kind of in this environment of like safety and like try things. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't, let's chat about it again. Let's try something else. And I think that's been a real, um, just being able to kind of watch what what other members have done and, and the success that they've found, it's nice to have kind of a, a place to go if I need to like refocus, like, okay, this isn't working. I got to come back around to some ideas. So yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and I love it. <laughs> so, so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question before I let you tell folks about where they can find you online. Yeah. Um, that is, who would you recommend join Making Good Happen? It's probably not for everyone. So who would you say it is for? Um, 
I would say that it is for somebody that has an in, has the time to invest in a long range plan. I don't know that. Um, I mean, I think there probably are some quick fixes in there, but I think for the most part, it feels to me like what you're encouraging is is what's going to be sustainable over the long term, so that you don't have to keep starting over. And it's you know, maybe email marketing is going to work for for you. Let's get on that. And here's how you do that. Or, you know, maybe it's going to be a different form. Maybe it's all social media or um, so I think it's somebody that's interested in really kind of digging a little bit deeper and has the time to dig a little bit deeper into what do they really want to do long term? How do they really want to show up long term so that you don't have to keep reinventing yourself? Mm hmm. I love hope that. That's <laughs> yeah. great. No, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So tell us where we can connect with you online. Obviously not all of the listeners are in the Portland area, but I think right. even if you're not like Kelly is a really lovely person to follow and, and see her content. So um, where can people connect with you? Anything you want to share here before we wrap up? I do want to share a couple of things. One is, um, yes, you can connect with me. I'm most active on Instagram. I'm most reliable there. So um, that's Kelly Mac. That's at Kelly Mac Properties. Um, and then just a fun fact about me, I have been sober for about seven and a half years. And Congrats. just recently, thank you, just recently um, started getting together with other sober women in business um, for a virtual meeting once a month to just kind of talk about what it means to be a woman in business, navigating sobriety. And um, so I put that out into the world whenever I can so that it, it hopefully reaches the the person that it is meant to reach. But um, I was blessed early on in my journey to have somebody share pretty openly. Um, so now I sort of put that out there for anybody else that has questions or, you know, so anyway, um, yeah, but Instagram is the, the, the best place to, to find me. So for someone interested in maybe joining some of those conversations, just DMing you on Instagram yeah. is the best way to get hooked up yep. with that. Okay. Yep. I love that so much. I hope that if you're listening and that sounds like something you resonate with, that you get in touch with Kelly, because I think that's a conversation that needs to happen. So yes. thank you yeah. for letting me share. Of course. Well, Kelly, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you for being a member. I'm so grateful. And I am excited to share all of these like words of wisdom with my audience. I think oh, the, thing, the main you. thing I'm going to take away is about like trusting yourself. I think that's so important and probably something I could talk about more. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for doing what you do. You're so good at it. Hmm. <laughs> So there you have my interview with Kelly. I am such a fan. Go check out Kelly and her business at the link in the show notes at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 177. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be grateful to have your support. Here are a couple of ways that you can give back to Making Good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy this episode, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 177. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just Peachy Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.